Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have a member of our community on today's episode. We're going to call her Tanya. Before we get to her story, thank you to those of you who have rated the BTR podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps. We have right now, at the time of this recording, over 500 ratings. Online, we're like at a 4.7, but on the app, we're at a 4.5. And there's so many other podcasts out there that don't use the abuse model when it comes to pornography use and sex addiction. They have five-star reviews, which is fine. I'm happy for them. But I would really like to get our podcast back up to five stars. We used to be there, and a few people who don't agree that pornography is abuse decided they wanted to rate the podcast, which is also fine and absolutely they're right. But I really want to get it back up to five stars for victims of this type of abuse, victims of emotional abuse and psychological abuse and sexual coercion, Because I want victims to know that this is a safe podcast and this is the place for them. Mostly it's people who are like, hey, you don't help men who are victims. Why? And I'm like, because this podcast is specifically for women. Or they'll say, you're being too hard on these guys. Sex addiction isn't that bad. They're sick and they need help and it's not abuse and stuff like that. So here's one of the five star ratings that we got. She said, nodding your head the entire time. I'm only a few episodes in on this podcast, but I've found myself nodding in agreement with every episode, every comment, every realization that someone knows and actually understands what I'm going through. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg, uncovering how long men have been allowed to treat women so horribly and not labeling them properly as the abusers they've become. Not all men, obviously. Please educate yourself and listen to this podcast. Every single one of your ratings, especially with reviews and with five stars, helps isolated women find us. So I'm okay with men not rating it five stars because it's not for men. I'm okay with people who don't want to think that pornography use and betrayal is an abuse issue uh, because that's not who this podcast is for. This podcast is for women who have experienced emotional abuse and psychological abuse and sexual coercion due to their husband's porn use and infidelity and other sexually compulsive behaviors. So I want it to be five stars for that particular audience, for us, for those of us who went through it or who are still going through it. By the way, the same thing happened on our Facebook page. We were at a five-star rating and someone who disagreed with the abuse model applied in this context uh, wrote two separate reviews and bumped us down to a 4.7 as well. So if you're so inclined, we'd really appreciate you going to Facebook, to our public page, which is Betrayal Trauma Recovery, and recommending the podcast or this organization there and helping us get that up too. I know we're always going to have some haters, and that's fine. I just want to make sure that the haters don't dissuade women who are in our situation. She rose who are pulling themselves out of the emotional abuse and the psychological abuse and the sexual coercion and setting boundaries and building a life for themselves, starting to work toward the peaceful life that they deserve. I don't want the haters to stop those women who want to get to peace and safety from finding us or from taking this podcast or the materials available on btr.org. Seriously, 
There's nothing better than a review from another woman who has gone through it, from another Shiro who was like, oh, this is what I needed after 10 years, five years, 20 years of this. And I wish I would have had this sooner. So we really appreciate your help with these reviews. Our Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our live daily support group, it's online. You can see the faces of women who are going through it is the most comprehensive and affordable support that is also ethical and appropriate in this situation (laughs) is available to you. When women join you, get unlimited live support every month. We created this for you. You don't have to get childcare. You don't have to set an appointment. There are so many sessions. We just added two more that you can get on within hours of an abuse episode. Now, Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is not for processing crime. So if you are a victim of physical violence or you know about a crime, like child pornography use, for example, or sex with underage persons or any other criminal activity, we recommend setting an appointment with Coach Renee, who can help you navigate your local domestic violence shelter and your local authorities. We believe in reporting here, but we also believe in reporting safely. So many women have had uh, really rough experiences when they report or they're not believed. Coach Renee is there to support you through that process. So for the psychological abuse and the emotional abuse and the sexual coercion, for group support on those issues, go to our website, btr.org. Click on the session schedule, and we'd love to see you in a session today. Okay, now for my discussion with Tanya. She's going to share her story about what happened to her. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Originally, I'm from Africa, but I moved to Canada uh, when I was 16 years old to go to school with my cousin. And I was coming from work, and then I met this guy. He was also from Africa. In our culture, we're not supposed to marry out of African community. And it was nice to meet him. And I was young, my first time living without my parents. And he was actually a football player. He moved to Canada to play a minor league. And when we met, it was just like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> nice meeting you. And it was just pure bliss to meet someone like him. And we did long distance and I could see his anger right away. If I didn't pick up his phone calls, if I didn't uh, go to his games, which he didn't really play that much. He only played one or two games and he got injured as well when he was playing Canada. I came from a society that men are very... I can say machos. I had a couple family members that were involved in a very abusive relationship. And for me, it was easy for me to recognize, but I couldn't break it off right away because it would be kind of like dumb of me. I had to, you know, get to know him and see what was going on. But for me, it was right away, it was easy for me to recognize. Mm. So when you say dumb of you, why did you think at the time it would be dumb of you to break it off? Because I thought that I didn't give him a chance. I thought that I didn't give him a chance enough for me to really see what was going on, his controlling behavior. And I had friends around me also that were like, you need to get to know him better so that you can make that decision. If you come on 
uh, with those instincts, that that that's not a valid way for you to say, oh, he's controlling. So I, I felt like because of the peer pressure that I had around me, I had to give him a little bit of a chance. But the strong instinct was so deep in my soul that I already recognized, but I just couldn't stop. <laughs> So people are saying, you know, you can't just judge him right off the bat. You need to get to know him better, you know, stuff like that. So you keep going forward. Interesting. Okay. So what types of things did you try to like get to know him better or to establish safety or peace or how does it progress from there? I didn't established anything because at that time I was only 18 years old and Canada is my country. First time living in a different foreign country by myself. I just had this sense of independence because it's something that we didn't have back home. And I was just like, okay, I can make my boundaries. I'm not married to him. He's not really like my boyfriend. So I don't have to really like I have my apartment. I don't have to go to his house. But that summer, he got laid off from football. So he had to move back to United States where there is another league that wanted him. And I just felt like, yeah, he's moving back to United States and he's an American. Even though his family are also from Africa, I just thought, yeah, he's going. So our relationship is done. I don't have to pursue that relationship anymore. But we reconnected again and we started dating. And by that time, it was already almost two years in into the relationship. And he decided, oh, do you want to come to visit? I said, yes. And I just felt like, oh, I can rescue him. For some reason, I just thought like, again, my instinct was like, I can talk to him. I can influence him in a better way because the difference between me and him, I felt like it was too wild. He was a football player, but I just started noticing like very differences amongst our values and whatever it is that I believed in about family. So when I came to visit in, in him here in the United States, I just told him, I don't really think this is going to work. One, because I'm just starting to see that our personalities don't really go together. And right away, I saw this anger come out of him. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe. I grabbed my phone and I called my friend. I said, he is angry. He shows an anger that I don't think I can deal with it. And my friend said, again, I think you're judging him for just one-time situation. You are in his country, so you should just chill out and calm down. He's a very good candidate for marriage because he wasn't speaking to me about marriage, but he would speak to my friends about marriage, that he would like to marry me, that I'm a very good person, that he likes he likes me because I am not like this American woman. They're more into material things and I'm very grounded. So my friends said, you know, I think you should try it. He asked me to marry him. My friends threw a big engagement party. I grabbed my stuff, left my job, left my apartment, my car. I moved to United States. 
And that time we were living in a home with his friend and his friend was also married with a woman from Colombia. And she invited me, she said, oh, let's go to a branch. And when we were at the branch, it was only two hours. We took a very long time to come home because the car stopped and we were looking for someone to help us see what was going on with the car. He was calling me, was calling me, was calling me. I would say, no, our car stopped and we're just looking for someone to help us. And we found this police officer, but he's helping us, asking a gentleman, someone just to come and see what was going on in the car. It took us three hours to get back home. As soon as we get back home, he pushes my phone. He throws the phone on the floor. He grabs my computer. He throws the computer on the ground. Everything is broken. I said, I am going back to Canada. My friend said, Tanya, what are you going to do now? You already accept this man's proposal. Now do you want to come back to Canada? What everyone is going to say? Where is your friend from that was telling you this? A couple of them were Canadians and three of them were from Africa as well. Okay. So would you say where you're from in Africa, this was a pretty like cultural thing that men just get mad and it's no big deal. Would you say that's pretty common? It's pretty common, but it depends also on the family that you came from because my family were not like that. Meeting him and his family and the manipulation and the way they speak with each other and silent treatment, I only had experience with him. Right away, I already knew that this marriage was not supposed to happen because it was something that I've never experienced. And it goes back as well to pornography. Pornography was something that I never heard. Not in my house as I was growing up, even with my friends in Canada, we never spoke about pornography. But when I came back to the United States, he had invited me to go for Christmas to his parents' home in Chicago and sleeping downstairs in the basement. And he had uh, pornography he wanted to watch. And then I said, no, I was shocked. Your family's from Africa. How come you have pornography inside of your parents' home? This is not supposed to happen. I was so shocked that he had something like that inside of his parents' home. But I guess he was hiding. And he's like, let's watch it. Let's watch I said, no, I cannot watch it. Like I'm a Christian. I never heard such a thing. I can't. I cannot watch it. And this is, he came out very angry again. I don't think it should work. You have to understand that there is so many women that would like to be with me. I'm a football player. I'm an American football player. I played for NFL, for this team, for that team. And you know how many women would like to be in your place right now? You're telling me no? It's just sex. I said no. For me, it's not just sex. If we're married, sex for me in a marriage means something different. No, I cannot do this. I'm going to take a break here for just a second to talk about my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama. It's available on our website at btr.org backslash books. Thank you for those of you who have rated it on Amazon. Every single one of your ratings on our podcast or on Amazon helps isolated women find us because it improves the algorithm. So when women are searching for things, they find BTR and our materials. They don't have to buy the book. Uh, But in the description, it talks about the podcast, which is free to everyone. Here's one of the five-star ratings there. 
titled, They Get It. I wasn't sure if it would be worth getting this Kindle book. My divorce is over. I'd already made up my mind about the abuse, etc. But even though I'm not in the midst of it anymore, it is still refreshing to find something like this that speaks so plainly and clearly about the subject. It's such a hard thing to describe to people. I'm glad this book exists now to help with that. Good work. Trauma Mama Husband Drama is a picture book for adults. These images help people visualize exactly what's going on, and there are a ton of infographics at the back to help educate people on this type of abuse. Go to btr.org backslash books. Click on Trauma Mama Husband Drama. It will take you directly to Amazon. Thank you to those who have reviewed it, and if you're so inclined, after you purchase it, please give it a five-star rating. Again, it helps women who are isolated find us. And we broke up. We broke up. We stopped talking for three, four days. But mind you, I'm, I'm already here in the United States. We're already preparing for this marriage. What am I going to tell people that I'm breaking up because of <laughs> pornography? Because I found out pornography in his parents' basement. Because I felt like everyone around me was just trying to invalidate me because I found this guy that played NFL. I guess it's a big thing. So I shouldn't say no for his needs. And this is when I start noticing that the abuse right away, it started because I also noticed that he was able to get me as an African, I guess, humble, naive, that would bend to whatever it is that he wanted to. And the abuse was just not based on just pornography. It escalated to almost everything, not just between me and him. It was also between me and him and his family members. Mm, so you got psychological abuse starting to happen and other forms of abuse starting to happen. Exactly. And I think the psychological abuse between his family came because how can you speak up? Who are you? How dare you to go out there and speak up? This is our son. He's been doing so great. He plays football. He's very successful. You're supposed to be lucky that you have him in your life. Now you're coming to us, telling us that he's abusive, that he calls you names, yeah, that he takes stuff away from you because he took my green card away from me. He took my Canadian citizenship. He would take bank cards throughout a marriage. I did not have access to any finances. So you ended up marrying him then? I ended up marrying him. Yes, we were married for nine years and I left him two times. This time that I left him would be my third time leaving him. Okay. So in the meantime, all different types of abuse are happening. Financial abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse. And also you've got people around you who you're trying to tell this is happening to. They're not believing you and you're not getting help. So talk about the first couple of times you left. What stopped your escape? The very first time that I left, I just had given birth to my son. And the abuse was already happening. It was not only between me and him. It became between me and him also and his family. 
And the abuse was because I was not confining to their beliefs, meaning if he does something to me at home, I would speak up. I've always spoken up. I would go to church. I would tell people in the church, he's doing this to me. He's pushing me. He's taking money away from me. He's not helping me to drive. He's uh, doing anything. And I would grab the phone and I would call his family. And I said, next time he touches me, I'll call the police. Next time he asks me to do any kind of sexual behavior that I don't want to, because how can I have sex with my husband and he calls me the B word? I'm not going to do that. And when I start speaking up, the family didn't like it. And they would start blaming me. They would say, no, it's you. You have a big mouth. You speak too much. He's a great person. So I gave birth to my son and I had a C-section. And his mom came from Chicago to Florida to visit. And I'm holding my son with one hand and we're on a dinner table and she's speaking and she's talking and she's saying very derogatory things about me. You are blaming my son. He has never been in, in a relationship that he's being blamed about sexual coercion. He was never blamed about being abusive. You are the first woman in his life that is saying all these things. So. Why don't you go? Why don't you go? Nobody wants you to stay here anyways. I sat there. I listened to her and I listened to him. Are you going to do something? Are you going to speak to your mom? And he says, she's my mom. I said, I'm your wife. And I just gave birth to your son. He didn't say anything. I went upstairs and I put my son to bed. And he says, you have to know that this marriage is between me and you. It's not between my mom and I. And if you want me to be closer to you, you have to understand that there are certain things that a wife is supposed to do. I said, what? He says, first off, we need to start with sex. If you can give me oral sex, I can go downstairs and speak to my mom to stop. Wow. So sexual coercion right there. Yeah. In that moment, he's sexually coercing you. And at that moment, I look at myself in, in the mirror and I said, why? 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 It took me three months to grab my stuff and move to Canada. I left him. My son was only three months at that time. And I stayed in Canada actually for six months. He wasn't calling. He wasn't contacting which for me was fine because I have already gone through so much with him and no support at all around me. His dad calls me. I completely understand what you're talking about. I want to apologize, but we are Christians and you have to understand you guys are married and we don't believe in divorce. And I don't want you to raise a son without a father. I promise you that I'll take him to counselor. He'll do therapy and I'll be beside you. I just don't want you to tell anybody on what's going on because we don't want to wreck his career. Please come back. I am here and I'll support you. 
I said, I don't want to come back because it's been almost a year and I haven't seen any support from any of you. And I feel like you guys are blaming me for whatever it is that it's going on. And I don't even understand what was going on. That was the first time. And they begged and he asked and, and I came back. Three months of me being back, he was starting again, verbally abusing me. It was just a cycle verbally abusing me no one will believe you you just came back from canada i know that it's something with you you want to come back here to destroy my career i said but your dad your dad promised me so i stayed for another three years before you go on that's a really common thing that victims are accused of of trying to harm or ruin their abuser's life. Like the only reason you're saying these things is to hurt his reputation or to hurt his life and it's not true. So that's a really common thing that abusers say to try to keep their victims quiet. We're gonna pause here and continue this conversation next week. If you would like to send Tanya some support and love, please go to our website, find this episode, I'm sure she'd love to hear your support and your comments. Also about your experiences, if you've had similar experiences. Sometimes we think that our problems are specific to our religion or our culture, and that's just not the case. This type of abuse related to pornography is worldwide. It happens in every culture. It happens in every religion. It happens with women who are not religious. This is a worldwide abuse problem. It's also a misogyny problem. To combat this, the best thing we can do is give each other support. So please go to our website, btr.org, find this episode of the podcast, and let Tanya know that she's not alone. Similarly, if this podcast is helpful to you, please support it. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom, and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.